them fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right Hey, Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul And their dog Ninja Hey guys, welcome to episode 291 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. Tracy? What? Obviously we want to start off the show thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. And uh, as things get uh, a little tense over between the Ukraine and uh, the Soviet Union, obviously our thoughts and uh, prayers with our military that uh, are kind of starting to move into place over there and hopefully it doesn't come of anything but i hope not either thank you guys we are praying for you guys all the time and just know that we appreciate you having our back and keeping our country safe and we love you guys and helping keep another country safe of course of course you guys are angels um i had several people actually reach out in the past week that struggling mm-hmm. with with uh, different issues in their life, and uh, as usual, we want to make sure that you realize that we're here for you. Our Facebook group is here for you, and it doesn't matter what the situation is. Sometimes, sometimes you may think your situation is petty or small, or you you have to realize that if it's important to you, then it's not petty or small. Of course if not. it's something that's that's causing you grief in life. Or causing you to have negative thoughts, then that's not petty. That's not uh, minor. And please reach out to somebody, whether it's us or whether it's the uh, Facebook group or friends or family. And if you don't feel like that that you're comfortable with that, what can they do, Tracy? They can call 1-800-273-8255. You can also text 741-741-741. And if you do need to get in touch and want me and Jerry to talk with you, we'd be glad to do it. We will give you our personal cell numbers. Um, So just send us a message online or something and let us know. But we love you guys, and we want you all to just reach out. Tracy, we have a fun show tonight. All right. We got a bunch of really good special guests that people will know Mm -hmm. and people have seen on TV for like the next four or five weeks. Oh, wow. And it's going to start tonight. We've got Erin on the show. Okay. She'll be on after our story on Little Bighorn. And Erin was on the third episode of Netflix's Haunted. Oh, wow. Really good show. Really good show. Her episode was extremely well done. And she got a lot of grief from her episode. And we're going to talk about that in our episode. So she had family members hate that she came on there. Uh, she's, she's had people write her horrible things, which we're used to as far as like, you know, but she, she said that people wrote her out of the blue that she didn't know because they used her last name and she didn't know they were going to use her last name. 
And they were writing her and, and just saying the most god-awful, horrible things to her about her appearance and how she looked and how she sounded and what just the hell? out of the blue. So People? we talk a little bit about that and how she was actually able to get on the show. That That is uncalled for. It's seriously. completely uncalled for. And they should have never used her last name. Yeah, I think, I would have thought that had been one of the things covered in like... Uh, the contracts on if you're going to be anonymous, if you're going to use your last name. Yeah. That. Well, you so, do you, girl. Be proud of what you did. She's fantastic. And it was a it was a really fun interview. So we touch on the episode. We talk about the story. But then we talk about what she's done afterwards mm-hmm. and before that. Because the story actually goes way back, you know, probably 15 years or so ago. I gotcha. Um, but we talk about all that. It was it was a really fun interview. Next week, we've got Amy Bernie from oh, Kindred Spirits, and, and we talk about her new podcast, Haunted Roads, which is part of Aaron Mankey's uh, uh, Grim and Mild and oh, I Heart cool. Group. Well, so we talk her. about that. And then there's a new series that came out. Eli Roth, a lot of people know his movies and mm-hmm. stuff. He's He actually did the uh, original Hostel movie and Hostel mm-hmm. Part and a bunch of other stuff. But he's got his own show on the Travel Channel now called Eli Roth's A Ghost Ruined My Life. Oh, dude. And we actually are going to have... Shannon Rogers, from the very first episode of that. And uh, we're going to have Candace on from the second episode. Uh, so, yeah. Well, first and second so episode, exciting. we're going to have both of them on. So, that's what you got to look forward to the next four weeks. So, okay. Let's jump into this. Now, as I said last week, we're going to cover the site of the Battle of Little Bighorn today. And uh, that's in Crow Agency, Montana. The site is a very tragic place. Native Americans called the location Greasy Grass before any of this. So it kind of didn't sound like the most promising of locations. not at all. Maybe they just slipped a lot. I don't know. I don't know. But on a hot Sunday in June of 1876, one Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer and his troops met a large force of Native American warriors here. And the Native Americans were made of a few different tribes. It was a a collaboration, so to speak, but it was primarily Sioux and Cheyenne tribes Mm -hmm. that had collaborated here. Now, Custer and his men were completely wiped out. There were absolutely no survivors. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. The battle was most commonly known as Custer's Last, last stand. stand. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah. But it's a whole bunch of other people's last stand, too. So, mm-hmm. wasn't just his. So, while this was going on, about five miles away, there was another battle that was taking place that most people don't even talk about. In this case, Major Marcus Reno and his men initiated a fight that would last for two days. Reno was joined by another group under the command of Captain Frederick Benteen. But not before several of Reno's men were cut down as they tried to retreat across Little Bighorn River and the surrounding hills right there. The area where the men crossed is now referred to as the Reno Crossing. On that particular day, it was the scene of madness and lots of bloodshed. Today, it's a very quiet place, just like the Last Stand Hill where Custer and his men were finished by the Native Americans. Now, this doesn't mean that the Native Americans didn't suffer their share of loss. They lost many warriors as well, as for, and also women and children. Mm. I don't know why the women and children were there. I don't know if, yeah. I don't know if they, they were along and just happened to be caught of it, or, or if they were actually living mm-hmm. at some of that. But 
that's the case. To this day, the feel of loss and sorrow has never left the valley, they say. Anybody that comes there kind of, if they're any type of empath at all, they just feel it. Feel it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. History has seen more monumental battles than Little Bighorn, but none of them have provoked the share of discussions as this one has. The troops in the Native American movements throughout this area are now better understood throughout history as they've been able to look back and figure stuff out. But history will swallow up several secrets from that horrible day because the dead cannot speak. Or can they? I bet they can. Mm -hmm. A woman by the name of Christine Hope, who will be known as Chris from this point forward, said that she will always remember her small apartment near the battlefield cemetery. She had an incident happen to her. She said she will never fully understand. She was never a believer in the paranormal or the unexplained until that unusual night, which was followed by the next day of questioning her sanity. Oh, dang, that must have been pretty wild. Chris was a student intern at the battlefield during the summer of 1983. She was from Minnesota and had just recently graduated college there. And she said she was kind of looking for a change of pace and... She was doing some social work and everything back mm-hmm. then, and she kind of said, hey, I want to maybe do something a little bit different, so she came out there. The battlefield offered this kind of change. Soon, though, her daily routine consisted of doing tours of the battlefield, uh, giving some lectures and talks, and doing seminars. She said she really enjoyed it. Towards the end of the season, Chris and Park Ranger, by the name of Tim Barnardis, decided that they wanted to go check out Reno's Crossing. Mm -hmm. It was late in the evening, so they decided to go ahead and head home, and they would go to the location the next day after they finished work. That night, Chris fell asleep on her sofa inside her apartment. She said she woke up a little after midnight, and she began to look around the room. It was pitch black with just a little moonlight creeping in from the window across from the couch. As she looked a little closer... She could see that moonlight shining on a man's face. Outside? No. Oh. This is a man that she didn't know, and he was sitting on one of the living room chairs by the window. Uh Uh-huh. She was immediately confused and frightened. Who was this man, and how the heck did he get into her apartment? Uh Uh-huh. He appeared to be dressed in some type of clothing from another era. She couldn't really make it out because there wasn't enough light. Something told her... That he was not from modern times, though. Keep in mind, she did not believe in the paranormal and, uh, yeah. before any of this. Now, he seemed to have a different style haircut, which this was the 1980s, so I'm sure she was probably used to looking at mullets. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> she realized that the hairstyle was more like the ones that she had seen in pictures of the men that fought at Little Bighorn. And, he, of course, these were pictures that she looked at every single day. Yeah, giving tours so and she lectures should know. And stuff. Yeah. She remembered everything about the man, his light beard, his flowing handlebar mustache, but more importantly, she was able to look into his eyes. She said it was hard to explain, but his eyes stood out. They were filled with fright. Chris couldn't believe what she was seeing, so she blinked, refocused, and when she did, he was gone. It was a while, obviously, before she could move. She was terrified. She eventually made it to the light switch, flipped it on, and she expect, inspected the room, and there was actually nobody there. All the windows and stuff were locked. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but she said she knew she was not dreaming. She was able to eventually go back to sleep, and then she got up early the next morning to go to work. All during the day at work, she said she just kept feeling those eyes, like they were on her. Like at work? Yes. Oh. She said something behind those eyes were reaching out to her. She did whatever she could to block it out of her mind and just continue on with her day. Finally, four o'clock came, and she and Tim were getting ready to take their little trip down to Reno Crossing. As they get down to Reno's Crossing, Tim told Chris about how the battle had began at the edge of the Native American encampment. He told her how Reno lost complete control of his men that day, and they started scrambling across the river, kind of on their own. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, screw you, Reno, we're, we're, we're getting out of here. Out of here. Mm-hmm. He pointed out where... Men had dragged the dead and the wounded, at least the ones that they could, to try to take with them across the river. But eventually, the men were going to have to dig in and fight. It was just that simple. And he showed her the spot that's marked that shows where they finally said, okay, this is basically our line in the sand. We're not running. We're fighting. And he kind of, there's all that is marked down there. I was going to say, how did he know that? I mean, yeah, how- it's, all, it's all marked down there. Okay. At the bottom of the steep hill near the edge of the Little Bighorn River was a solitary marker, though. A marker that shown that a specific soldier had fallen there. Hmm. When they finished the tour of the crossing, they went back to the visitor center. And Tim found a book that was now out of print, but they had there at the place. And this book showed that the marker belonged to a soldier who had been assigned to the Company B of the 7th Cavalry. His name? Second Lieutenant... Benjamin H. Hodgson. It also included his picture. Chris looked at the picture and she gasped. Oh no, that was him. This was the man who she had seen in her apartment the night before. So Tim kind of asked her, hey, hey, what was wrong? And she was too shocked to even answer. So she never had told him what had happened. No, no. Finally, after asking a few more times, Tim finally got her to kind of crack a little bit and she told him the story. It occurred to Tim that if any of the soldiers would have understood the horror of what went on that day, it would have been Benjamin Hodson. Reno's men had come under Native American rifle fire at the crossing, and while Hodson went toward the river, his leg was shattered by a bullet that actually killed his horse. Oh. So I guess it went through his leg and in through the horse. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, that's terrible. Fighting shock. He managed to grab a stirrup that was kind of kicked out to him by another soldier. So as he was coming by on his horse, he's like, hey, let me kick the stirrup out. And you get on the horse. Hodgson grabs it. No, he grabs the stirrup. Oh. And he was dragged through the river to the opposite side, just holding on to this. With his shattered leg, he somehow managed to crawl part of the way up the steep bank before he was shot and killed by another Native American rifleman. His body rolled down the bank and came to rest near the water. And that's where the marker is today that shows where he stands. Wow. And that's something. Now, the story made its rounds between all the employees of the battlefield mm-hmm. after uh, she finally cracked and told Tim. Guess what? Not many people were surprised. Phantoms and unidentified soldiers had been seen for many years here in the apartments. Oh. That are over by the cemetery. 
as well as a structure at the edge of the battlefield cemetery. That, that place is called the Stone House. But the mysterious Stone House has been the site of several unusual stories, most of which are soldiers that are seen climbing the stairs there. After hearing Chris's story, another employee stepped up. He said that he himself had seen Benjamin Hodgson, him, mm-hmm. you know, just like she had. Mm-hmm. His story was a little bit different, though. He said it had been a, year, a few years before. And he only saw saw the soldier's head. It was in like a gaseous cloud, which hovered over his bed in the middle of the night. Now, what's amazing here is that the circumstances were very similar because the gentleman that also had seen it, it was the night before he had scheduled a trip to Reno's Crossing. <laughs> so both of them were going to Reno's Crossing the next day when they saw it. So I guess they only saw him like one time. Yeah. And she only worked there for that, that summer. So uh-huh. only one time for her. There have been several other sightings at the battlefield. Some from psychics. Many have picked up on feelings or vibrations. They feel that there are imprints on all the stuff that they have there. Like old spurs, boots, rifles, uh, arrows, empty uh, cartridge casings, and other types of artifacts that they have on site there. From 1979 to 1981, there was actually a series of experiments that took place there to see if there if the imprints could be picked up on by psychics. During one session, a spur was handed from a Dr. Ricky who was conducting the, the psychic. It might be Reiki, but it's R-I-C-K-E-Y. He handed something, it was a spur, to a psychic by the name of Howard Starkle. Now, Starkle had zero knowledge of Native American wars. He didn't mm-hmm. know anything about it. He just showed up because they said, hey, we're looking for psychics. He yeah. didn't know what they oh, were going to be doing. What? And there were several other psychics, too. But he, he kind of stood out. So, Doctor hands him this random spur. And this is what Starkle said after holding it for just a few minutes. He said, I was hurt. I was found in a desolate area. I am with other people. Trees are nearby in a valley. There is emotion, hurry, and startledness. I want to get on a horseback near a stream where all the activity is starting. I'm trying to get on a horseback. I'm hurt, and I want to get across the stream to the hill so I can defend myself. I'm 150 yards from the stream. I am shot, and I need to take off my black boot. Oh my gosh. I'm in pain, but I'm still running. He said a bunch more, but all basically described Mm -hmm. what happened at Reno's Crossing. Interestingly enough, Starkle also said that he saw the field on fire. Now, historical records do indicate that the grass along the valley floor was set on fire by the Native Americans as they left the scene in the battle on the evening of June 26th. And that was not common knowledge, but the psychic saw the field on fire, which would be a very odd thing. Even if you're thinking about a battle Mm -hmm. taking place, you wouldn't think about the fields being on fire. No, that's pretty amazing. He was really into it. The information about the person that the spur came from was just as interesting. See, it came from a surgeon. That was part of Reno's crew. Mm -hmm. 
His name was J.M. DeWolf, and he was in fact wounded and killed while crossing the river. He did not have a uniform. He wore street clothes. And during Shackle's assessment, I told you there was more that we didn't cover. He made mention that whoever owned the spur did not wear a hat, which would have been accurate because the doctor didn't have a uniform, so he wouldn't have had a hat. <laughs> oh my so that's very random. That's really specific. But almost everybody out there, other than him, uh-huh. would have had on a hat. But he made mention that I do, I do not have a hat on. So was he, I guess he's the only psychic that picked up on all that? Or no, there were other psychics, but he was the one that that kind of hit. So there's actually a marker also down there where J. M. DeWolf lost his life. So there is a marker showing his spot too. Historian Neil Mangum says that he was awestruck by the impressions brought forth by the psychic Starkle. But what about visitors? Do visitors see stuff out there? Mm-hmm. There's over 400,000 people who visit Little Bighorn every year. The visitor, there was a once a visitor from New Orleans. He claimed to have been transported back in time and he witnessed the actual battles. <gasps> Wow, how cool would that be? There was a cab driver from Minnesota. He said that he was driving along Battle Ridge. He saw soldiers and Native Americans fighting to the death. He was able to make it to the visitor center where he was visibly shaken and distraught. The employees were actually able to calm him down and uh, he was able to go on his way. We just talked about uh, Neil Mangum who Mm -hmm. said that he was so impressed by how accurate that Uh, the psychic's information was. He once received a strange call from a woman in Canada. She had a dream about a Native Native American killing a soldier during Custer's fight. She claimed to know the soldier's name. So Neil checked the 7th Cavalry roster, but he found no soldier listed under that name. However, the woman was persistent and she stated that the records must be wrong. And it's really all there is to that story. But the fact that she was so adamant about mm-hmm. calling and saying this was just... <sighs> and even when he says there's no one listed under that record, she's like, no, that, that must be wrong. I know this is the case. Whoa. That's pretty... That's a strange uh, dream to have. Yeah, I mean... I, I know I know a soldier that was killed right. here and I know his name. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty one awesome. Even, one evening in August 1976, a National Park Service officer... Visit Last Stand Hill. That's where um, Custer was killed. He was alone when a sudden drop in temperature went through his entire body. He said the cold was accompanied by a soft murmuring of voices. He didn't stay around long enough to determine if the voices were talking to him. He said that's enough. In August 1987, it's a moonless night, a psychic from Colorado visited and she provided details of action at Medicine Tail Ford and Nye Cartwright Ridge. Standing beside the 7th Cavalry Monument and the mass grave of soldiers, she said she felt restless spirits from Custer's battlefield. The same psychic saw a Native American spirit charge a seasonal employee. He, now, this employee was sitting like on a park bench, resting his eyes. He was just had his eyes mm-hmm, closed. Mm-hmm. She saw this... Native American on horseback charged the guy. As he got right to where the guy was sleeping at, he turned around and he went 
past the visitor center, and down the cemetery ridge. Here's the thing, though. The employee who was laying there with his eyes closed as the guy charged him, his eyes woke up and he, he just jumped up real quick and he said, what's, what's going on? So even though nobody other than that psychic could see the Native American horseback, this guy knew something came at him because it startled him awake. Ugh. So to the average person looking, there was nothing. He just jumps up. So, mate, where's, was the psychic there? Yeah, she was there. She oh, happened, so did she go and tell him? I, I'm assuming she did. Oh, gosh. But So she sees the horseback coming, the, uh, or the guy on horseback yeah. coming, and it scared the guy, but nobody could see anything other than the guy just getting up. But she saw exactly what frightened the guy. Oh, man, that's and so And she creepy. said it, then it, it turned, after scaring the guy, it turned and went past the visitor center and went down towards the cemetery. Uh-uh. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And employees have also reported seeing Native American warriors up on the bluffs around the area. Oh, wow. So there's your story on Little Bighorn. That would be pretty awesome to see that. It would be pretty cool. It sounds like they're lively. We've talked about a lot of horses, I don't know, in the last couple of episodes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we're going to take a quick sponsor break from June's Journey. And then uh, we'll be back to uh, keep you up to date on some stuff and a couple of shout outs. Hey guys, it's Jerry here, and let's be honest, true crime is actually huge in the podcast and on television, just because you never get tired of a, of a good whodunit, am I right? If you're one of those type people, you're going to love June's journey. You get to play as June Parker. Now, she's an amateur detective, she's investigating a series of mysteries, it's full of twists, turns, all around every corner. You'll put your powers of observation to the test and sharpen your sleuthing skills and relish the thrill of actually solving the case. So let's be honest, whether you're craving a good mystery or you just need to kind of get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. So you're going to sit back, relax, and let your inner Sherlock escape to the glamorous Roaring Twenties. You'll search for hidden clues to solve mystery after mystery across thousands of vivid scenes. And with new chapters every week, there's always a new case waiting to be cracked. Guys, I love playing June's Journey. It's just one of those things that once you start, it's hard to stop because you get so emerged in the game. It's fantastic. I love usually to play late at night. It's a good relaxation tool for me as I'm getting ready to go to bed. Sometimes I've got a thousand things going through my mind. And if I just try to lay in bed, I'm not going to sleep. I'm just laying there thinking about the same things I've thought about for the past 10 hours. June's journey is fantastic for me because it takes me, my mind completely away from what I was doing. And like I said, you get submerged in the game. And before you know it, you're relaxed and you're ready to go to bed. Guys, there is definitely a detective in all of us. So find your inner detective. Download June's Journey free today on the Apple Store or Google Play. Hey guys, I just want to um, cover a couple of housekeeping notes before we uh, get into Aaron's interview. You guys are going—I swear you guys are going to love this interview. Mm-hmm. You're like all of them we got coming up. Trust me, they're—they're they're all really, really good. I'm excited about it. All right, but I want to mention that we have our show in April live event in Louisville with Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances and the guys from Ohio. I've done everything I can to keep them from coming, but I think they're still showing up. <laughs> so with that being said, tickets are actually selling really quick for that Good. one. We're so excited. Uh, it's a, it's a, it holds a lot of people, which was the kind of the plan because mm-hmm. we didn't want this one to sell out. 
But uh, go get your tickets, hibblyhorrorstories.com. It's also tickets for Bobby Mackey's. You can find out about the cruise and uh, still tickets available in time for that. And uh, what else? We got our birthday celebration with Serial Spirits, Annie Weaves. Uh, speaking of which, she's actually going to be on here really soon in the next couple of weeks also and telling us about a, a really, uh, really creepy but cool story that she's had going on. But they're going to be there with us, her and uh, Brendan Shea, her significant other and podcast host. And uh, we're going to have a blast there. That's in uh, August in West Virginia at the Old Hospital on College Hill. Yikes. That one's just like Bobby Mackey. You get a tour and everything mm-hmm. included in your price. But there's only like 60 seats available. So okay. snatch that up. And uh, Indianapolis, we got coming up in July with our buddies from uh, Middle Aged and Creeped Out and Tragedy of Cinema. Uh, both of those are Indianapolis shows. So that one will probably sell out pretty quick, too, considering... They'll have a lot of friends and family members in the area. Mm-hmm. All right. With that being said, all that's there. Hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You can find all that. Plus, we got new shirts and stuff available. So. I know. We do. What the heck? All right, Tracy. So, what do you got going on over there? All right. For our iTunes this week, we have Jason B. 007, Marva, K. Cummins, Mojo Lobster, NGF1984, Squeaker 05 and JA1256. Thank you guys for your really, really nice reviews. They're awesome. We appreciate it and hope you guys will keep them coming. We look forward to that for sure. Yes. And our Patreons are Vicki Knight, JoJo Allen, Jamie Ross, and Kathy Wallerick. Thank you guys for your patronage. We appreciate your all support. It really does help us out. And uh, we couldn't do this without you guys for sure. 100%. Okay. And we have a special birthday today. We do. Uh, Sweet, our sweet and lovely Natasha. And Natasha just got married. She did. She's got it all going on right now. She has, man. She's been having, living the good life here, so. Looks like she found her a good guy. Josh seems like a very nice guy. Yeah, he sure does. But we wanted to make sure that we did not let her birthday go without being, because I've said this before, it's been in the book. If it wouldn't for Natasha, the group would not exist. That's exactly right. And we are forever grateful to you, doll. Absolutely. And we hope you are enjoying your happy birthday. And also, everybody enjoy uh, Happy Valentine's Day tomorrow. So, we've got all kinds of love fest going on. And, it's all uh, just jumping a big pile and yep. love each other. And as we're recording this, we're just barely uh, ahead of the Super Bowl. Yeah, so go Bengals. We, yeah, we don't know what's happened yet. I'm not a Bengals fan. I'm a... Indianapolis Colts fan, but we are in Bengals country. Absolutely. And almost everybody we know are Bengals fans, so mm-hmm. we are pulling for them. So I'll give a big who day. Who day? <laughs> Go Bengals. All right. Let's jump on to this interview because you guys are going to love it. Here comes Aaron. Hey, guys. I'm excited to have this guest on. I've got Aaron, the paranormal princess. Is that right? The paranormal princess? All right, so Aaron was actually on the third episode of Netflix's uh, show Haunted. And that's actually, and I've discussed this on the show before, to me, that's my favorite. Uh, I really love A Haunting from um, the Travel Channel. But I think what Haunted does is it kicks something like that into overdrive because you've got the uh, 
dramatization of what happened with some actors. But then you've also got the real people involved, such as yourself. And they always bring in some friends and family members and have you tell the story in front of them. And in most cases, it's something that some of these people have never heard before. So, Aaron, first of all, thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I always love talking paranormal. So <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that episode. Uh, so in the episode, it's it comes out and it basically says that, hey, you and your your mother fell onto some hard times. You had to move in with your grandmother, move into her basement. But before you guys moved in, your uncle uh, was down there doing some nefarious stuff when it was his room. And a lot of occult type activities, stuff like that. And when you guys moved in, all hell broke loose, so to speak. Tell people who haven't seen the episode the story in a nutshell. I guess like, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, my mom (laughs) had actually grown up in that house. um, And so I had my uncle. And when my mom was not doing well, we ended up moving in with my grandma, staying in the basement. And that house was like, just so haunted, like so, so haunted. And I mean, they didn't even talk about half the hauntings at that house. They really more focused on the, like the dark thing that was in that house. But so yeah, we lived there for a long time. Um, we had a realtor that when we moved, wouldn't, wouldn't go in the house. Like (laughs) people just wouldn't come in that house. (laughs) My friends wouldn't like, and we eventually got out of the house, but I mean, I've, Paranormal is like so ingrained in me at this point that. How old were you when you, you guys had to move into the house approximately? It was second grade. So okay. it was like seven or eight. And how long, how old were you when you moved out? I mean, we had only like three of us together lived there for about three years. Okay. So it feels like a lot longer. <laughs> But so the in the in the show, your your uncle and some of his friends were uh, doing some. I don't know if you would call it Satanistic or but it was some type of occult type activity, the way they showed it on there. And it made it seem as though it brought some kind of a dark entity, uh, at least into that basement area. Would you say that was pretty accurate the way they displayed it? I mean, yes and no, like. They did a pretty good job telling my story. Uh, they definitely like played certain aspects up. I wouldn't say played it up, but like the basement we lived in was actually a really pretty basement. <laughs> it didn't look like a dungeon. <laughs> yeah, they made it look like a dungeon on the TV show. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a very nice basement. And my uncle, when he started doing that stuff, was actually a lot younger than what they had portrayed in the show. So he wasn't like a teenager adult. He had started doing that and messing around with occult stuff when he was probably like 10, 11, 12. Oh, wow. He would steal books from the library and just try and summon things into the house. And I wasn't alive at that point, so I don't know exactly what he did. But my mom said that that's really when, like, all the activity started. Now, I don't remember. Did the, did the television show actually discuss what happened to your uncle? I know it, it said that he had moved out. Then apparently he came in and forced you into like a, a some duck work or something and but i'm it, like it like he was looking for drugs or something but it, but it, that's a, a really all i remember i mean what's what's going on with your uncle these days is he still around or do you know 
Well, he actually ended up, I mean, he started doing drugs when he was very, very like 13 years old, 14 years old. Um, made my mom's life pretty miserable, would steal her cars throughout the years. And I didn't know him super well because my mom didn't want me around him. Um, but actually, six months ago, maybe he got out of prison and we had lunch with him. Um, but yeah, he's still not, he's not sober. He's not doing great. Right. Sorry to hear uh, that. Uh, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, that's all I know. <laughs> But so let's talk about. I know there's a lot of people curious. How did you get your story on Haunted? I'll be 100 percent honest. Like, I think I can talk about this because my contract ended a while ago, but I don't really know. (laughs) I think my theory. So what happened is Zach Bagan. So I'm a huge Zach Bagans fan. I know that's a very unpopular opinion, but I love that. It is is on this show, but we'll, I'll allow it. (laughs) But he, um, he had posted something for a casting call for like, you know, send in a video and you can win a night in the haunted museum. And of course I was like, bam, I want to do that. So I filmed a video just talking about, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm an investigator. I've grown up with the paranormal, just that whole spiel. I didn't get picked for his thing, unfortunately, but like three days later, I had like a, a message from like a casting agent. And I was like, is this like a sex trafficking thing? I like, I didn't trust it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about this. And you know, my mom's like, that's not real. And I'm like, but I'm going to just respond and see what happens. And then I talked with so many people for months about my story because they were really trying to make sure that it was authentic And I mean, I, it was a process and I'm like, I don't know how many times you want me to tell this story, (laughs) but then I just kind of moved through and then they, they must've thought my story was interesting enough to make into an episode. That's pretty cool. I mean, I guess that's the beauty of something like when you send in a tape like that, because if it's going to the travel channel, so to speak, or wherever it's going to, or if it's going to Zach, and he's got all these different ties. I'm sure he had something worked out where anything that I'm not going to use, I'll pass along. And it's a big networking situation. So I guess it makes sense on that's how it could happen like that. That's my guess. I mean, it, the timing was just like, I don't know how else they would have found me. Like, so I think that was how it happened. But it was, so it was a very surreal process. <laughs> so by the time you were still pretty young when all this had kind of ended. So this story was several years old by the time you made the tape and even sent it in, correct? Oh yeah. But I mean, I still have ghosts or have dealt with ghosts in my house. Like it's never stopped really. Do you think all that's tied together or do you think it's more you? Um, I think it's my best theory is that it's like a perfect storm. I'm, I'm sensitive. I'm not a psychic. I'm not all the fancy words people throw around but I'm definitely sensitive. And so is my mom. And when we live together, it's like, we're like a battery pack and it just sends out a beacon and things happen. And then I study it. I go on paranormal investigations. So I probably open myself up to it now. Um, I'm not, a, you, I'm not as scared as I was. Do you think your fascination with the paranormal came from the experiences at your grandmother's house? hundred percent, a hundred percent. Cause I spent so long 
wondering if I was crazy because, you know, I kind of talked about in the episode, like adults are like, no, you're not, this isn't really happening. It's all in your head. And I'm like, I know this is happening. (laughs) I'm not crazy. And so now it's just sort of become an obsession trying to, I guess, prove that it's really continually and prove it to myself and prove it to my husband and prove it to other people. (laughs) How long have you and your husband been together? Um, we got together right before COVID actually. (laughs) So had he, had he seen your episode before you got together? No, thank God. Cause he's like, I don't know if I would have uh, gone out with you. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I started saying, cause I think that came out in October of 2018, I believe. So that would have been pre pandemic, a, a year of pre pandemic. Yeah, I definitely, uh, he jokes, he doesn't believe in the paranormal at all. Really? Like, I know he doesn't, he's nice about it with me. He's kind of like, okay, you know? But he's like, yeah, I would have thought you were crazy. I probably wouldn't have said yes when you asked me out. (laughs) (laughs) I always think it's funny when I see paranormal investigators, and I see this a lot, and their significant other does not believe at all. I just think that's the funniest thing because you want to support your significant other, no matter what the situation is. But I would imagine it's hard to support if you don't believe at all. You know, it's like you really have to be taking a, a, a blind leap of faith just because you love the person you're with. Yeah, he's he's like I said, he's very good about it. And I'm trying to get him to go to Waverly with me while we're there. But here here's the thing about Waverly. And I'll tell you this, even if you take their two hour tour, OK, you will experience something. Everybody does. They take you on the fourth floor and they will set you up so you see shadow people i've never had a person go on a tour yet and they do 25 on each tour or 50 technically but they split them up with two tour guides everybody sees shadow figures if he's going to ever experience anything to see things your way it will be at waverly hills i want to take him somewhere cool and like we because we wanted to go to waverly um we drove to trans allegheny from colorado last summer and we wanted to go to Waverly on the way, but we didn't plan it right. So we couldn't even like go see it. (laughs) So I'm definitely excited to go back. Yeah. You'll have a blast, especially if you're coming in March, it'll just be warming up a little bit then it won't be as freezing as what it is now. So (laughs) let's talk about your paranormal investigating. When did you actually start doing that? And do you have your own group? Yeah. So like I said, I've always, been into it. And like, I grew up watching ghost hunters, um, and that would like had first come out and it kind of, you know, really pioneered the whole thing and made it accessible. I feel like, so I grew up watching that. And of course my ghost adventures, and I finally reached out to a team over Facebook. I will, I reached out to a whole bunch of teams and they're all defunct except one. And then I was on, um, a local team here in Colorado for a while. And then Teamwork is hard. <laughs> Getting people to all like contribute <laughs> is hard. Yeah, it's it's hard because everybody's got different schedules and different most lives. people are just trying to work around real life. And it's it's unfortunately for most people, it's put into that hobby category. And it's hard to get a whole bunch of people to uh, be able to keep a schedule when in your hey, we're gonna wanna go investigate this place on this night. That's when we can do it. And well, I can't make it that night because of this. And 
So you end up with two or three members of a six person team making it out to half the events. And I get it. Evidence review. I mean, everybody knows how tedious and hard evidence review is, but so I did, that didn't work out with that team, but I ended up on prism Colorado. Um, and they're awesome. I've been a part of that team for a few years now, as well as Haunter paranormal. So oh, nice. I, we do a lot of investigations. We have started, especially during COVID, it was nice because we did a lot of road tripping to paranormal places. Cause like we're better to go during a pandemic than like an abandoned building. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So and we went to the Ohio state reformatory uh, back when COVID first started and they were closed because of COVID. And plus I think they were doing some repairs, but we got to at least, at least got to go out and, and stand in front of it and take a few pictures and stuff. And for me, that was almost as cool as going in. Well, you'll have to definitely go back once they allow, well, I'm sure they're allowing things in now. Yeah, they are now. That's, yeah. Yeah. Cause we did like trans Allegheny. We did uh, Edinburgh in Iowa. We did for our elementary and this year, I think I'm doing the Sally house and hopefully Waverly trying yeah, to hit like we, some of the cool places. We spent the night in the Sally house, uh, back in August, 2019. How was and, it? Uh, it was awesome. I, um, it was about six of us and it was just, uh, it was just a really cool thing. It was, it was a bad situation because my wife's father passed away like three days before. Uh, so we weren't sure we were even going to make it. And we, we had to reschedule some things with the funeral and layout to be able to still come because we had sold like 60 tickets to a live event we were doing. And that was part of it. And so it was, and we had all the equipment and it was just, it was really not the ideal situation, but um, you know, they had like an ovulus type uh, situation in the basement area. And um, there was some stuff that definitely came through. Uh, my wife had pink hair and a gentleman named Justin Rimmel from mysterious circumstances podcast. He asked what color is Tracy's hair? And it came through and said pink. So that's not really? your typical thing that they would have expected, but it was enough to freak a, a lot of people out. I'm excited. Cause there's one person that's on one of my teams. Uh, we love Frank. Frank is hilarious but he is a complete skeptic. Like he does not believe at all. So he's great to have along and he's good for like security. Cause it's mostly women. So he's kind of our, like he watches out for us, but he said the one place he had like a full blown, like paranormal experience was the Sally house when he was in there by himself in the bathroom and he heard his, uh, one of our other teammates talking to him and she was out in the car. Like nobody was oh. in the house with him. <laughs> so he's like, it's like kind of it's, it's kind of cool because the front door has one of those locks that's just you push numbers to get in, uh, so it's, you don't have to worry about using the key. And my wife had left her glasses there. Everybody had left. It was the next day, and my wife had left her glasses there. And I, I talked to the uh, young lady Maria, who was the head of tourism at the time there, and and she just gave me the code. So I was able to go in by myself for about 10 minutes while I looked for her glasses. And that was kind of cool just to be able to have the whole place to yourself. If, and I'm kind of glad it was daytime. I don't get scared. <laughs> I, I'm kind of glad it was daytime. But, you know, there was a group, Chris Case and his group out of uh, uh, Nebraska yeah. was actually there okay. with us. Yeah, he was there with us the, that night. And um, they were supposed to spend the night 
the following night and they changed their mind because they had so much stuff happen the night that we were there. They heard some growling really? in the closet and stuff. So, yeah, they they he was there with uh, Ashley Goodman from uh, uh, Ghost Hunters International and oh, yeah. some other She's, people. But- I love her. I did. a. Uh, she stopped in Colorado at, right at the beginning of 2019, I think, or 2020. And I did a video with her and she is just the sweetest. I had so much fun. She's with awesome. Her. Yeah, I we were like, supposed I to haven't go- seen her for a while, like on, going was- online. I'm like, I wish she'd make videos again. <laughs> she she took some time off uh, yeah. and uh, she just recently started reappearing again. But we were going to do an event last year in Savannah because she lives right there in, in uh, Savannah. And uh, we end up canceling because of COVID and all that stuff. You know how that goes. But uh, yeah, yeah, she's a sweetheart. So we've been able to keep in touch. And Chris is a great guy. And he's got some cool documentaries out on Amazon. So yeah, it's, I'm excited uh, but to meet he was- him in person. Because we're was doing freaked Mallory out, Manor. Though. Oh, nice. Yeah, with uh, I think Chad Lindbergh's going to be there, and uh, Josh will be there. Josh will be there. So, because I've known Chris online for a while, and he knows my team, um, but I, we haven't been able to go down there because <laughs> the last time I was supposed to go, I ended up having a blood clot in my lungs, so I didn't make it down to the investigation. <laughs> yeah, that's um, not good. No, but I, I'm excited. There's some really great people in the community, and. Chad is awesome too. We uh, linked up with him at that paranormal convention in December and we're hosting him hopefully for an event in the next few months. Chad is awesome. When he came out in that one video, he came out to the ice ice baby. I don't know if you had a chance to see that, but if you haven't look it up, he just comes out on stage to ice ice baby and just does this whole dance, the whole song and then just leaves as quick as he came. It was just like kind of out of nowhere. It was, that was last year sometime, but that's super funny. Chad's a great guy, man. He, uh, he, uh, that, that whole group, of uh, that does, I can't remember what they call it. The, the G squad or the G squad or something like it. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what it is, but you know, of course him and Nick and, and, uh, Josh and, uh, Josh's buddy out there, they, you know, they do, they do a great job together. So, so what's the future hold for the paranormal princess? Hopefully lots of good things. It's, I mean, really at the end of the day, like I, everything for me is paranormal. Like I have my blog, I write about paranormal things. I did the the TV show, which still, I'll never do TV again. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I, you know, I want to talk about that. I want to stop you because we'll get, we'll get back to how everybody can kind of get in touch with you, follow you. I had seen on your Instagram, I guess you had, you'd made a comment and I was wanting you to elaborate on it a little bit about you were on TV or you did the TV show and you showed a little clip of it and you said something about people could be so mean. What kind of, what kind of feedback and stuff were you getting from people? Well, a lot of it, like for, I mean, most of the messages, cause they did use my first and last name, which I wasn't expecting. Like I was like, Oh, great. Great. And I had hundreds and hundreds of messages come in about like, you need Jesus, find Jesus. Let me help you. And those were like, whatever, you know, sure. but people were really mean. I got called like ugly. I'm fat. I'm stupid. I'm a wire, a lying C like just all of these things. And I'm like, man, you all, you have to go out of your way to find me <laughs> to just say something like super nasty. I was like, I don't have thick enough skin. For this. It's, it's tough because like I said, we've dealt with that. You know, we, we deal with reviews and my wife's been called every name in the book and her in, intelligence insulted. And how does she, uh, it's just, they're, they're surprised she's allowed to even vote or to be able to function. I mean, it's just, 
And it's like, it's like what it goes on in somebody's brain to where they can't just scroll on. They can't just move on with their life. They have to physically find somebody and try to ruin their day, their night. Cause that's what happens. And it don't matter how secure you, you are in yourself. When you start hearing people say comments like that, it just, it's going to bring you down. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel bad that you had to experience that because first of all, if somebody's watching that television show, you would think they're somewhat believers in the paranormal or they wouldn't really have any interest in watching the show. And then to turn around and tell people you're a liar, or I can't believe you would say this, or you, it's just, I, I don't know what, what brings people to that mindset to reach out to somebody to say something negative. I, I don't either. And like, I would say like most of the people that reached out to me were great. I would say it's, it's just, you know, the ones, the mean stuff kind of sticks a little more. And I think the biggest problem, honestly, with that season. Uh, so my episode is the third one. And the second episode was what set everybody into a, like, the show's fake because I don't, I was, I didn't meet those people when I was filming. I don't know if they lied. I don't know if it might be true. I don't know, but a lot of people really didn't believe that. So then automatically the rest of us got discredited because the, the serial killer story. And, uh, and, and okay. And, and I get that. I, I get that part. So I, I can understand how somebody might say, uh, now I kind of watched the rest of these episodes with a grain of salt. But to reach out and tell somebody, oh, you're fat or you're ugly or you're stupid or what does that have to do with anything? Literally nothing. And, you know, I ended up meeting, I forget which episode she was. Her name was Lindsay. She was the one that uh, dealt with like the more like UFOs and the extraterrestrials. And she's I mean, she's a lovely lady. And just from talking to her, I'm like, I know she's telling the truth. Like (laughs) and so it, it just it hurt. I think it hurt a lot of us because people were super mean. <laughs> All right. So now I want to ask you, uh, it made me think about something else. So let's go back to your episode. So you had your, if I remember correctly, your mother, your grandmother, and I think two friends on the show. Is that, am I right? Or was there three friends? Uh, it was my mom, my godmother. Oh, okay. And um, two, of my, two of my best friends. Yeah. I don't remember either of your friends saying a single word on the episode. I, I, I saw a lot of, yeah. a lot of shocked looks and, and I thought it was, oh. I thought it was funny that like uh, one of your friends and I don't remember which one it was, but one of your friends, it was like the camera panther and she just had this shocked look on her face and it seemed like it was on there for 25 minutes. Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm sure it was only like 10 seconds, but it just seemed like it was almost on pause. So how did yeah, you get to choose? Such a laugh. How did you get to choose who came on the show with you? And did they know anything about what you were going to say? And obviously your mom knew, but did your, did your friends know what was going to go on or was this a shock to them? Um, I mean, they didn't know. So let's rewind a little bit. So like during the interview process, they were like, you know, are there, are there people you haven't told this to, or like my godmother, cause she was involved. Like she helped us. Get, try and get rid of it. So she was like there for it. The two friends I've picked are like, I've had since forever, but they're not into the paranormal. They're not into any of that. So I never really shared that with them. Um, and they, they had an idea. It's not like it was a hundred percent shock of like when I told them that day, but they didn't know 
most of the details. And we were actually there. So we filmed two days. And the first day, it was just my mom and I and the director. So a lot of the scenes you see, like I had to film twice. And then the second day, for six hours, we had full discussions. My friends talked all day with me about like <laughs> the things that happened. And then they, there's not a single line for like Kateri in the entire episode. <laughs> oh, man. And, and it seems like they did that with like a lot of the, at least in the first season, people didn't talk that much outside of like the person telling the story. But no, I assume during filming for other people too, like we had full on back and forth discussions. They asked me questions about what happened. <laughs> I don't know why the editing choice for that was interesting. Yeah, I just thought that was funny when you had said something about the friend. I was like, oh, I got to bring this up to her about how yeah, my poor like, friends. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, what was the response after that? You're all done. You're you're through filming, and now you're you're talking to your friends and stuff. I mean, was it kind of like some surrealism, or did you did you feel like that they believed you, or did you feel like that they were a little skeptical? I wouldn't say they were skeptical. I think. B well then Chilon, uh the one in the orange shirt, she was sort of like, you didn't tell me this. Like, I don't think she was mad at me, but she was like kind of like because we tell each other everything. So I think she was a little kind of, you know, hurt, maybe. Yeah. But no, they my friends believe me, I think. At least they're really good at pretending like they do. <laughs> well, that says something. If they're willing to go for that kind of effort to even pretend, that says all you need to know. Right. You know, I think most people in my life have believed me. I had upset family members, had very upset family members. So did, did your, um, were they upset because you brought out, uh, they, they felt like you made the family look bad or because you brought out family secrets or what was the reason for being upset with you? The biggest part. So like my dad, so I, I mean, my dad is fully present in my life. He's been, my parents are divorced, but he's a great dad. And, but he hates anything to do with the paranormal, anything weird. He's very conservative, very Catholic, and that's fine. So I tried to just not bring his name into the show at all out of respect. And, you know, so his, he's a doctor, so I didn't want his patients. Yeah. I didn't want to cause that, but it kind of backfired because the whole family got upset and were like, oh, I made it look like you don't have a dad and that your dad's absent and that he doesn't care about you. And I'm like, I was trying to like spare him. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they were like, we didn't know this happened to you. And they're all in New York and everybody was just kind of upset about it. And now no one talks about it. It is like a, one of those things that never happened in that side of the family. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can appreciate that. All right. So let's get back to how people can keep up with what you got going on. Cause, cause you're going to conventions and you're doing shows and stuff like that and getting to hang out with some cool people and uh, you might run into some fans out there. You never know. Do you get people recognize you? I've had two people recognize me in like the most random place, three people actually recognize me in the most random places. I'm like, yep, that was me. I'm on haunted, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad. Like, I don't think I could live that kind of life <laughs> where people are like super in, like know who I am. But yeah, I'll be doing a lot of fun stuff. I just, I just started it. Oh God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I just started a TikTok. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, I figured I'd give it a go because I got kind of bummed. There's a person on there who does very like she's great. I don't I don't know her, but but last year she changed her name to the Paranormal Princess and has like two million followers now. And I'm like, I've been doing this for years. (laughs) So I'm trying to like take my place. (laughs) But so I have TikTok. Instagram is really where I spend the most time. Instagram, Paranormal Princess 7. I've got my website, paranormalprincess.com. Don't add me on Facebook if you don't know me, people. <laughs> that's that's the one place that's safe. <laughs> yeah, I can get that. Well, yeah, I tried to do the TikTok thing. I got into it for about two months. I put out, uh, <clears throat> I would put on like this uh, skeleton mask and a hoodie. And I had skeleton gloves and I would just do stupid oh, stuff. Fun. <laughs> and I put out two or three videos that got like over a hundred thousand. And then I was just like, eh, I'm bored with it. And so I just quit. That was too much work. Like I've got other things to do. Like I actually want to like do paranormal things and read about parapsychology, not just like make TikToks about it. You know, I want to be. That's how, you, that's how you build a following today. Apparently that's, uh, I may have to give it a second go around because everybody's saying that's where it's at in the paranormal side right now is on TikTok. So who knows? I like, I know it sounds like cheesy, but I really want to be more like a known for like being a researcher or like a real investigator. Like, I don't want to be known for making videos and having a big following where it's just like, oh my God, did you guys see that orb? Oh my God, it's a, it's a ghost. Like, I can't, I can't do that stuff. I, I can't. <laughs> so, Aaron, it's, it's been a blast having you on. But I'm glad. I'm really happy to be on and hopefully. We can grab lunch while I'm in town. Yep. We'll have to, we'll have to find a way to do that. Cause like I said, all three places you're planning on being that weekend, I'm supposed to be in all three of those places at some point in time too. So uh, we'll be able to hook up and do lunch or something at one of these places. That would be awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and I'll post when we post this episode, I'll post some links uh, to your Instagram and stuff and uh, your blog and we'll have some fun. That sounds awesome. All right, Aaron, thanks for coming on, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your night. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. I hope you enjoyed the interview. I hope you enjoyed the story. And uh, like I said, tune in next week for Amy Bruni. Yeah, you guys have a blessed week and love one another.